0: Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang.
1: Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name is Andrew McDonald, Associate Director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center Research Institute, and we're excited to have with us today Dr. Joy Qualls. Joy is a nationally recognized writer and speaker who currently serves as an Associate Professor of Communication Studies at Biola University. Joy writes and speaks on effective communication, leadership, and who we are as image bearers of Christ. But before we hear from Joy, let's go to our host, editor-in-chief of Outreach Magazine and the executive director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, Ed Stetzer.
0: Andrew McDonald, formally filling in for Daniel Yang <laughs> on the podcast. All right, so so we're going to talk to Joy Qualls in just a second, and we're going to talk about communication, but I want you to let know, let you know about her two books that I have in my hand. Uh, one is God Forgive Us for Being Women, Rhetoric, Theology, and the Pentecostal Tradition, which is, which is really your doctoral dissertation. It's my doctoral dissertation. Which is so good yes. that you get, when you get your, it's like a win it's to get huge. your doctoral dissertation. Published. Right. Mine, not so much. Like me and my mom and my doctoral <laughs> committee. Right. So right. I wrote a book and the dissertation the same year and it was a disaster. 365 pages, one for every page of the year. But this there is go. God us being women. And, uh, and I, I, tell, tell us quickly about it. I know it's not gonna be your focus, sure. but tell us it's, about it. it.
2: It's a rhetorical study of the way we talk about, so so it is communication oriented, yeah. the way we talk about women in the Pentecostal tradition, because in Pentecostal tradition, there is a openness yeah. to women participating right. in every aspect for of the life of the church years, 100 for a hundred years. Yeah. years. Um, we don't always act on what we believe. Yeah. And so that's what the study that's is. Fascinating, fascinating. Yeah.
0: And, and that's an ongoing conversation. I, I, I consulted extensively with the Foursquare. I think yes. I was their coach for like, Ten years, uh, Pastor Jack Hire being a state on, and always, you know, here's a denomination founded by a very right. well-known Amy yes. uh, Amy Simple McPherson, and uh, and yet decreasingly women leaders yes. over over the yes. decades. And so that was something that uh, Tammy Dunahue, I think we're a yes. mutual friends. Yes, we yeah. are, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, and then the other the other book is uh, you're a contributor to The Power of Women, Stories of Motherhood, Faith, and the Academy. Yes. Which is interesting. So tell us about so that. So
2: the focus on that is what it means to be called. Yeah. And so those of us who contributed are called to the Academy, but it is about who we are as women of faith, as moms yep. and wives and... Uh, I think you could pull out the academy and make application to any place that God has called you. But um, my chapter is focusing on navigating marriage as the breadwinner um, because I have been the working person in our family, and my husband chose to be the stay-at-home dad in Good. our family.
0: And that is not common in evangelicalism. Not common in not evangelicalism. Common. And you're <laughs> at Biola
1: University. I am. Yes, okay. And so,
0: just <laughs> so for a little context: we're at Biola University for the Ablaze Conference, yes, we are. and we are uh, all participants in this. Yes, and we are. Perfect. For, you know, you're, we're talking about the Jesus People movement kind of lines up right into your field yes. as well. Though we're gonna talk about communications today, but uh, we're here, it's sponsored by the Holy Spirit Center. Full name?
1: It is sponsored by the uh, center, center for the mm-hmm. Ministry and Work of the Holy Spirit today. The longest today. center. Today. today. You not, don't forget, not yesterday. Thursday,
0: no, but today, today, unless it's a Thursday. Well, I want
1: to be yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't That's, that supposed well, to be Because we need to make it longer.
0: <laughs> I know. Uh, um, uh, Oscar Merlo, who's a uh, yes. leader of that, we appreciate yes. And Barry He's Corey, awesome. of course, hosting us here on He's the campus. Awesome. So here's what we wanna talk about today. 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 <laughs> Yesterday, today, forever. Um, okay, so you are a communications professor. You teach yes. here at Bowling University. And you are an observer. You're, you're actually a communicator yourself. You're a speaker, teacher, um, part of the teaching team. But here's the question that I have: What, when you see most of our listeners at the podcast are, are pastors or church leaders? Sure. Everyone's at some point teaching or speaking. What makes an effective communicator to you? Because it seems that there are different approaches, but there seems to be some commonality. What makes an effective communicator?
2: So an effective communicator is somebody who understands the five processes of the commun- of, of, or the, the five elements of the communication process. Yeah. So who they are is the speaker. Yep who their audience is, nice. which is what most of us miss, yeah. what their message is, the channel they're delivering the message on, and the occasion that has called forth that message. See,
0: this is why we have communication professors on the program. I know you said, <laughs> Andrew said, let's not have her on.
1: But I said, no. I was dead set against it.
0: <laughs> I was dead set against it. So you said the most common one was not understanding the audience. And I will tell That's you, right. um, I have certain audiences I'm very comfortable with. When I spoke here last time, I, well, I forget what it was called, the big missions conference they do every year. It's just called conference. the missions, yeah. com- the missions it's conference. It's a great title for it a missions is. conference. It is. College, speaking to college students scares me. Speaking to high mm. schoolers terrifies mm. me. Absolutely. Um, so my audience is, is a big struggle for me and I mm-hmm. I don't know that I can always relate to the same audience. So why is right. that the most common thing? Give us some examples. So
2: that's the the most common challenge because most of us don't take the time to learn who our audience right. is. and. Part of the the challenge for somebody like me is understanding how to tailor my message for that audience. So not changing the message, mm-hmm. not making the message different. But the reality is, is that I speak to my 10-year-old very differently than I speak to one of our parents, um, because their generations are different, their understandings of things are different. And if I speak to my in laws like my 10 year old, I'm going to offend them. <laughs> yeah. If I speak to my 10 year old like my, I won't say the age of my in laws, but if I speak to her like that, she, it's going to go straight over her head. And so I have to know my audience and, and, being a college professor can be very intimidating yeah. in that regard. Like for the longest time, I was the young professor, yeah. so I listened to their music, I dressed the way they dressed, I did all of those things. I'm now starting to experience the generation I gap. M- I miss right? being
0: the young yeah, one. Yeah, me
2: too. <laughs> but but they. Um, I keep hearing that my kids are eventually going to be my cultural interpreters yeah. and we'll get that back again. So I'm waiting for for that moment with fear and trembling. But knowing and understanding our audience is so important because, again, it's not about changing your message for them, but it's about understanding who they are so that they can best receive yeah. your message. But here's the thing that most people miss. Yeah. You can have the most perfect message. It can be constructed in exactly the way it's supposed to be constructed. And your audience can even receive it the way they're supposed to receive it but God gave us all free will Mm -hmm. and they get to choose to reject it even if it's exactly the way it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be. And that stinks because this is supposed to be formulaic and I'm supposed to be able to give you, like, here's the recipe, Ed, for how to be an effective communicator. But understanding that, is actually a great pressure reliever for me because I don't have to deliver the perfect mm-hmm. message and I don't have to make sure that they all believe me because they all get to choose whether or not they believe me or not. But I need to do the best job that I can to try to get the message that has been given to me to them for that occasion.
1: So most pastors, when when we think about communication for pastors, it's mainly around like preaching. And I mean, that's the main way that people understand how they're gonna communicate to their people. So as pastors are going about trying to craft their message as they're looking at what is usually a spiritual act. How can pastors become better? How can they use the communication principles you're talking about to become better preachers?
2: So I love the group of pastors that I get to hang out with. That's I have cool. some really amazing friends who are pastors. And uh, there is a group of us who meets twice a week. Uh, sometimes we're not always the one delivering the sermon, but if like if I've got time to get on the nine o'clock call, I want to be on that call because we work out the message together and oh, we think nice. about our mm-hmm. different communities. So the way to become a more effective public communicator is to learn to become an effective interpersonal, and group communicator. Because when you're standing in front of an audience, it's really just you and one other person. That audience is a collective. They're they're one group of people. And so I, I'm actually much more comfortable in front of a large audience than I, like a room like this actually makes me a little nervous. Interesting. Because um, I'm on the spot. Yeah. And um, there's two intense people looking yes. at me. But if it's just me and that mm-hmm. crowd, it's just me and one other person having a conversation. And so I think we've become better Preachers, because we are learning how to work all of this stuff out mm-hmm. amongst ourselves. We talk about what works. We talk about what doesn't. We talk about what we're wrestling with. It's a really vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. Um, we wrestle through the scripture together, and I think we've all become better preachers mm-hmm. because we've learned how to articulate those things before we ever get up in front of our audience. Well, the it,
0: the, the that kind of feedback is um, it's kind of a gift. You know, I I was um I was at Calvary Chapel Fort Lauderdale and afterwards they do a post-service review, and they didn't invite me. I was a guest speaker. And I just happened to walk in where they having the post-service review, and there was stuff written on the board, and some of which was related to me, or maybe it was written on a sheet of paper. Anyway, and I loved it. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Help me to do better tomorrow. Yes. Because I don't, you know, particularly I'm a common frequent guest speaker. Sure. So I don't know the people as well, and I've kind of got some talks they want me to do. So that feedback appears to be a gift, but it has to be sought. Now you're in a group that seeks that together. Right, right. So what advice would you give to our audience, which is mainly pastors and church leaders, of how to find, because not any, I mean, the only person consistently gives me honest feedback is Donna, my wife. Right, right. Um, And she'll, she actually grades, I'll say, we got, we made it, the shorthand said, A, B, C, D, you know, you're familiar with the letters. Right, but But
2: she waits until Monday, right? Like, no, I I ask her,
0: I come come down from the stage and I say, so what, I can't say stage. People be mad at me for saying stage. I come like down from the sacred desk and and and, and she's eh, a couple things. Okay. But, see, I thought it, she gave you the little cards that you gave her to exactly, yeah. yeah. the nice. nice. 7.5. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So how do we find people who will give us honest feedback? Yeah. And is is it you mentioned doing it Monday. Right. I kinda like the Saturday night review. Am I nuts?
2: No, no. So so we meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I think it has more to do with our schedule than anything else. But um, so I think one of the ways that you find... So most of us met each other on the internet. And as much as we hate you know, admitting that Facebook can be a good place yeah. to gather, most of us started as part of a group of under 40 leaders. Most of us are over 40 now, but we started as under 40 leaders. And as uh, we have worked our way through ministry, uh, those relationships sort of became natural. The thing we coalesce around is all of our churches are lectionary churches. Okay, so you're so- not...
0: All at the same church. I, nope. I thought you were Mm-mm. part of a no, team. It's, it's so these six are people who are actually churches. having this conversation together. Yeah. Um, okay. So six so, different churches. So you're preaching a lectionary, though. So you are, I mean, it's almost like what a lot of people might recognize, like a multi site conversation. Sort of, but we don't
2: all choose the same passages. Okay. So, you know, the part of it churches, will be like, multiple you know, like yeah. I'm doing the Old Testament this yeah. week, or I'm doing, or yeah. I'm staying away. Like well, yeah. we're hanging out in Job at our church right now. And there's some of the pastors in this group who are like, I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole right yeah. now.
0: Okay. Right Because okay. they're probably little so what then is the it's a communication conversation that you're having, or uh, is it more than that? It's life it's, on life.
2: it's it's a whole lot of everything, okay. but one of the things that we'll talk about is how do I deliver this to my people? okay. And so okay. then say, okay, so what's going on at your church right now?
0: Okay. So you have that mutual feedback with That's one right. another. That's right, which I think is probably valuable being across churches. I might think it's even more valuable being in one church. Oh,
2: one hundred percent. I think if you have a I mean, I would advocate for this in a in a large church staff where perhaps you have a teaching team mm. or you have um, you know, maybe the youth pastor gets a couple Sundays a, a yeah. year, but that should be part of that conversation every honest. week.
0: We know those Sundays. It's the Sunday after Christmas and the Sunday <laughs> after Thanksgiving. We, or, uh,
2: <laughs> or I'm in the Assemblies of God. It's general it's general counsel. Go so the youth pastor gets the speaker, somebody else. You know, that's that's what it well, is. Actually,
0: I, I tweet, in um, one of my smart tweets, on the day before, whatever, the last Sunday of the year is, I tweet, let's pray for all the youth pastors preaching this Sunday. 100%. as a teaching pastor, that's my Sunday. Right. So I'm usually bumping yeah. the youth pastor. I feel guilty. All right. So go back to the five... Steps again yes. because most people listening have not been trained. You used the word rhetoric so casually earlier. I know, I, know. I just ran past it. Um, go the five things and sure. talk to us about communications and rhetoric and why it matters.
2: Okay, so let me define rhetoric for okay, you first. Do. Yeah, so you did not earlier. I, would I like to,
0: I almost jumped in, you, but I didn't want to be you, that guy. No, you okay. could have. Okay,
2: so rhetoric is the human use of symbols right. to induce a response in other human beings. So, our communication is inherently human. Our language is symbolic, meaning that um, the words that we use, words themselves don't mean. People mean. The meaning is inside of us. It's in our communities. It's established in our social context. Um, and and the way that we create connection through one another is through this process we call communication. Okay, so, so I want to
0: come back. So words don't have meaning. People uh, mean. Right, people mean, which, by the way, is a you know basic principle of my field in missiology, but gets some people really riled up. So you're saying sure. that words can mean whatever they mean. But we all think that like grace means something very different from one person to the other. That's exactly right. So, so how do we understand truth as truth and right. words? Because I, right. I believe that there is absolute truth and can be expressed in words. I
2: believe the same thing.
0: So, but I mean, it's kind of a universally held that words don't mean things. People mean things, and they use words to express them. So, how do we, how do we explain that to people?
2: So I think what we're um, assuming is that the dictionary definition of words didn't come out of a community kind of str- right like it just sort of a, it just sort of emerged so right us, yeah. so even even the words of scripture right, were, right. Were, were developed amongst people who lived and worked and missioned together right yeah. Paul on his journeys as he's writing these letters to and from people are inherent communication concepts and 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 The disciples together, the four gospels, as they each present a different perspective of of Jesus. So, this idea that um, the only place that there's meaning is in if we can find this book that tells us what a word means, there's the way we use the language, and and that's really where the meaning lies. What do you? Mean right. by that, and and how can I work through those things? And our communication is intentional. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cannot not communicate. There's my bad at English there yeah. with my double negative. But, but you made but, the point. You communicated it, it,
0: you, well. <laughs> you know,
2: but but everything that we choose, the way we, um, where we choose to work, uh, yeah. where we choose to live, the way that we choose to dress, yeah. we're attempting to share yeah. our symbols with another group oh, of so, people. So, so, so
0: I, you know, I, I people joke because I wear the same thing every day. I wear a blazer. <laughs> <laughs> or untuck shirt and jeans. So you're like
2: Mike Z- or Mark Zuckerberg, yeah, pretty right? Much, pretty Same much. Uniform and I'm trying day. to
0: make a point that uh, you know I got the blazer on, so you know I'm a dean, but right. I got the jeans on, so I'm ready to party. Okay. And so it's sort of like so the dra- all the things we think about, yeah. We're messaging That's right. in multiple ways. Give us the five things Give Okay, again. so the five
2: things. So yeah. there's, in every situation, there is a speaker. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean you're standing on a stage right. speaking, but there's a speaker and there's an audience, but you are both sender and receiver right. at the same time, because communication is not information transfer. It's not a one-way directional thing. It's a process that I feel never like you're going to bring
0: up burlow, aren't you? <laughs> Sorry, Burlo communication. So, model. Sorry, so, good going. So the
2: idea is, so there's sender, receiver. Yeah then there's a message that goes between them. And then there's a channel. So we're verbally communicating with each other right Right. now. That's the the channel. The channel is also through a microphone into a computer, uh, the layers of channels. Um, And then there is an occasion, which is what calls the communication forth. So in our case, we're here for a conference together. We had an opportunity to meet together. This is the occasion. Mm -hmm. We would not phone each other up and say, hey, let's have a conversation about the elements of communication right. today. Right? but <laughs> Though you but might wish that we might oh, do that. It would be that. awesome. Um, but but this is the occasion. So yeah. we have an opportunity to focus on this subject yeah. today. So the truth is, it's a miracle that any communication actually happens really at is.
0: all. With all the noise, with all the feedback loops, right. et cetera, et cetera. That's right. But the, part of the challenge is, is that um, I think the lack of thought that many preachers and communicators put in... They'll spend hours on their message, but not as much time on um, how is this gonna be communicated, how is it gonna be received. It's very much, it's not listener centric. It's it's very much maybe the way they were even taught in seminary. You know, we're on the campus Could of Biola, well we yeah. love Talbot. Yeah, right. You know, I'm the dean of the grad school yeah. at Wheaton. We yeah. But um, there is, I mean, I'm a missiologist, you're a communications professor. Learning to communicate well is essential to the future, yet most people don't spend the amount of time. What would it look like to improve as a community. Someone goes in and says, I wanna do better. Yeah. What do you tell
2: them? Communicate more. Okay, so, so practice, practice. 10,000 hours. Ten, yeah, the, the way to Carnegie Hall, right? Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. But it doesn't have to be, again, on a stage in front of an audience. Sit down yeah. and work out that conversation okay. across a table from someone. Uh, um, I always tell my students: line up your stuffed animals on your bed, yeah. and and deliver that message. And think about how it's going to be received, whether it's message preparation or it's delivery preparation. You got to put the time and the work in. There's just no substitute mm-hmm. for um, for putting in that time. No amount of charisma, no amount of natural talent, none of those things will replace putting the time into that situation.
0: Dude, any rule of thumb on like um, prep time um, when you're giving a talk, a sermon, a message, something like that?
2: I think it differs from person to person, right. but I have a tendency to, um, I. I preach to my car uh, way before I ever write a a message down. Mm-hmm. I lecture uh, walking around my neighborhood with my dog. Um, if my neighbors were to actually see what I was talking about, they'd probably be um, slightly disturbed by the conversation mm-hmm. that's going on. But but I work it out in my head mm-hmm. before I ever get to putting things down on paper. And I'm an English teacher's worst nightmare because I always wrote the paper before I wrote the outline because I'm just a brain dump person. So get it out on on paper and then begin to organize it and and work it out. So I think I think it depends on every person, but I, I would say that, that, that you need to um, have not only thought about what you're going to say, but again, to who are you going to say? Mm-hmm. Who is your community? Who are you trying to reach? Who is this message for? Um, and it might not be everybody in right. the audience, right. right? This week, it might be, I need to speak with this group of people. Right. And next week, I need to speak with that group of people. But... We all get to receive that in community as well. And so the message might not be for me, but there's something that God's going to do in the transformation of that message that might come five years down the road. And Mm -hmm. it's like, hey, wait a minute. Remember Mm
1: -hmm. when
2: he spoke about that? Or remember when she talked about that element? Um, Aristotle talked about memory as being one of the five canons of rhetoric and a canon is just a measuring stick what's in and what's out and that memory is what will and then in turn allow us to grow and be better again in the communication
1: process. Fascinating. So uh, as one of the biggest dis- disruptors ultimately in communication has been the kind of the rise of like social media. And I mean, pastors have engaged. Everybody has a story of seeing their pastor on social media and or seeing their boss on social media. Yes. Ouch. And it's that's, either that's, that's a jab at me. Just in case it's you're it's, it's either <laughs> they're, they're either extremely good at times, but oftentimes that's they can me. just become they can they become just like, oh, I'm just going to throw up proverbs and verses and all that. They don't really do a lot. Right. And some of them are more actively harmful at times, sure. too, so, where sure. they think they're Funny jab at somebody, um, or they're. Ouch! Or, Ouch. This is rough. Teaming.
0: I know we're bringing Daniel, Daniel Yangs coming da- back wow. next week. I only on had a little bit.
1: I got to come and swing. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> do what you got to do. But so, how? What are principles for communicating online through social media that you've kind of ex- seen? How to do it effectively, especially as a pastor? A lot of trial and error. Well, because we we
0: actually got to know each other on social media. We got to know each other through social media. I mean, I think we met on a Zoom call. Is this our first time together in a room? This is our first time in person. Okay, in person. Yes. Um, Because I think a lot of the communication principles apply, just the medium is different. They
2: they do apply. But I think one of the best piece of advice I ever heard was that you are not buying or participating in a product when you engage in social media, you are the product. And so when you remember, when you recognize that you are being sold, and packaged. <laughs> um, so you got to think about, and I would say this is the same with television or even podcasting, yeah. right? Like you don't get to determine who your audience right, is right. because your you know, neighbor's next door neighbor got to pick this up because they saw it on the screen. And so there's just more opportunity for miscommunication. But again, I would say this. The more you learn to engage, the easier it becomes. And you're going to make mistakes. You're going to say something, you're going to right. pop off on somebody, right. and you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Or you're going to write a sentence that's not going to come across the way that you wanted to write. Social media is actually more visual. So it, we, we tend to think about it as written communication, but it's actually not. It's much more visual. So you have to think about the composition of your message a little bit more in terms of how is it going to be seen? Right. Not how much is it going to be heard. Interesting. And that that can help the conversation. Yeah, I'll you. Too. So
0: you before we were interviewing, we you mentioned an author and I tweeted something. And um personal, are you tweeting about me? Well, no, this is I mean, I schedule my tweets like on a rotation, yes. et cetera, et cetera. But there's sometimes conversations going on. Yes. And I'm not involved in that conversation, but it's somehow perceived as related. So I I I I, I had I'm like, okay, I gotta make sure that nobody miss, can possibly take this in a way. Uh, or see it to use your term in a way other than i meant it and i will tell you it's frequently impossible
2: it's absolutely impossible because again you don't get to control who your audience is right so you have to think about who is the audience that i want to reach with this and craft your message that way knowing full well that somebody who is outside of that audience is going to receive it but
0: this is killing a lot of pastors and church leaders because they're putting their stuff on the web Right. And they're preaching to a room that's yucking along with them and thinks right. their joke is funny right. and then boom it ends up and it's can be can be I and mean, everyone can get their 15 minutes of fame yeah even sometimes because it's poorly articulated sometimes just because it's something out of the cultural mainstream right right so what advice would you have to people when the world's watching?
2: so the first thing I would say to anybody who is a public figure and I'm preaching to myself here sure. uh, as a result of that is write your stuff out first Good. and just let it sit for a little while. And then when you come back to it, think, where is this going to land? Because it's really easy as I'm walking between my office and class to open up Twitter, glance at something, and feel like I need to respond. Uh, Most of my grand mistakes are made in that moment. In that response. In that response. Uh, but, But... Most of the time, if I can jot something down in my little notes section on my phone or something of that nature, and then go back and tweet it out later, it's a little bit better. Um, Sometimes, I mean, I'll just tell you, as a woman who engages in discussions of church leadership and things like that, I get all kinds of junk sent back to me. I I mean, just horrible, horrible stuff. And it would be easy to say, I'm like, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm not engaging in this anymore. I can't control those things. But what I can continue to do is to attempt to tweak and refine, Mm -hmm. to be able to say, I've done my very best to, again, reach the audience Mm -hmm. that I'm intending to reach. And these other people, they're never going to accept my message. And they're really just attempting to be hostile in return as a way to silence me. And um, the enemy would like nothing more. Than to keep my mouth shut, and sometimes the Lord needs to shut my mouth, and sometimes the enemy needs to shut my mouth, and discerning between those two mm-hmm. things um, is not always easy. But but again, practice yeah. and thinking through and taking time. Mm-hmm.
1: So, what makes a great communicator? Then? What are the what are the central marks that you would identify when you say this person's a good communicator? What do you mean by that?
2: I think they are somebody who, again, understands those five elements. Right but who really truly knows that the message that they have to deliver is meant for someone. Mm -hmm. And so it it becomes a a heart passion Mm -hmm. as opposed to just a head activity. Um, Aristotle called rhetoric um, a moral and a practical art. Mm -hmm. So it should be useful for us, but there should be something in the way that we... Think and communicate that stirs the hearts of humankind. And so I think when I sense that, I think that's when I know that this is a really good communication. It's not always the most flashy. It's not always the person who um, is the most charismatic. Um, My pastor can deliver a message in five minutes that would take me 40. Wow. To deliver because yeah. i I'm the teacher. I gotta right. unpack it all and right. explain it all. And he can hit a homily and just I'm like, man, I want to learn to be more like him mm-hmm. in the way that he communicates. Um but I think he would say, Man, I wish I could unpack things right. the way that that she does in her teaching. But you know the truth of the matter is is that he's an exhorter and I'm a teacher and mm-hmm. we come to the table with different gifts. And the church needs all of those things. So he's a great communicator. I'm a good communicator. And, and, and so we get to communicate to that community together.
0: Okay. So let's, um, we're, you're talking to thousands of pastors and church leaders. Yeah. Um, you're a communications professor. Yes. Last question. What sure. do you say? This is what I really want you to know, in addition to what you already shared, but I really want you to know about communication that will help you be a better communicator. You right. mentioned the message. Let me mention too, by the way, sure. while you're thinking of the answer. Sure. Um, Rick Warren once said to me, and I really like. I mean, it's not he didn't say it's to me, but he said it to everybody. But um, I don't just preach a sermon; I have a message I have to deliver. Mm-hmm. That means got to deliver mm-hmm. it to somebody. So I like to. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I preach sermons. Yeah. But it's also a message that has to be that's delivered. Right. That's that urgency that's right. you talked about. But that's right. So your advice giving last word to pastors and church leaders listening, what would it be?
2: Let the Holy Spirit be the one who speaks through you. Mm-hmm all of the knowledge and preparation and practice, those are all tangible, practical things, but don't forget the element of the Holy Spirit. And the greatest messages that I've ever delivered are not the ones that are on the page. They're the ones where I did the work ahead of time, I I prayed and I prepared and I studied, but when I opened my mouth, it was the voice of the Holy Spirit that came through. And I think so often we think we have to be Rick Warren, we think we've got to be an orator like Greg Laurie, who we're going to hear from later tonight. We think we have to be those people. No, what we have to be is who we are with the Holy Spirit working through us. And and I think if if more pastors would let go and let the Holy Spirit work in them, they would be the communicator that they want to be.
1: So you've given us a lot of the benefits of communication, why pastors should do it, but communication also fallen on a harder time. There's people who are skeptical of like great communicators. We can think of pastors who are great communicators, but maybe have had some moral and leadership failures. How can people in churches and other church leaders see through kind of really great communicators mm-hmm. to some of the, maybe the problems underneath it? That's good.
2: Yeah, that's an important question. So here's what I would say. Charisma is never a substitute for character. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I mean, listen, I've been taken in by a great communicator. It's it's that I love it. It's something that, again, stirs my soul. But you have to look beyond the communication moments. How are they living their lives? How do they treat people? How do they talk to their spouse? What's what's the way they treat the janitor in the hallway? And Character will rise to the top every single time. And even those of us who have been taken by a charismatic leader and feel disappointed by that knew, we saw those red flags, we saw those things, and we chose the charisma over the character. And when we do that, it is a mistake. And If I have one prayer at all, it is that, Lord, let me be a person of character and integrity, and the
1: charisma and the communication talent will follow. We've been talking to Dr. Joy Qualls, author of God Forgive Us for Being Women, Rhetoric, Theology, and the Pentecostal Tradition. Thanks again for listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. You can find more interviews as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com. If you found our conversation today helpful, we'd love for you to take a few moments to leave us a review on iTunes. That'll help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content. You can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app available for both Apple and Android.
0: You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com.
1: Thanks for listening.